Hello, everybody, and welcome on The Commerce Show. Thank you for joining us today on this 10th episode. So I'm really excited to present you our special guest this week. Uh, I've been talking with Aubrey Terrazas. Uh, Aubrey has a lot of background. She is a wine expert. Um, so she started in California. Now she lives in France. Um, and she is one of the co-founder, actually, of Pallet Club, which is a subscription business model that sell uh, wine as like a wine club, but online. And they developed an AI technology that matches the uh, consumer taste to the right wine bottle. So it has been amazing. We, we've entered into a lot of new concerns uh, that uh, some, some entrepreneurs in e-commerce have um, about, you know, subscription business model. We've talked about their marketing strategy, how the alcohol industry um, have some impact and restrictions on how they do market themselves, how also the COVID affected them Uh, in fact, they were doing uh, marketing in events to make them, you know, uh, discovered by by uh, people because they just started the business prior to COVID. So a uh, lot of challenges, but also lots of uh, knowledge and learning uh, since the beginning. So it has been really, really interesting to, to be talking with her. Uh, she also co-founded uh, one of the largest uh, marketing agency Uh, so uh, wine uh, agency in uh, California. So she has uh, several uh, marketing uh, background and experiences. So uh, it was really fun. I uh, really enjoyed that podcast. She also speaks French a bit. So we've talked uh, prior to the call and we, we had fun. Um, so I think it's, it's a unique podcast. Uh, you will enjoy it for sure. Uh, thank you for joining us uh, on this 10th episode. And the podcast starts right now, just after you've subscribed to our YouTube channel. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Hello, everybody, and welcome on The Commerce Show. Today, I'm with Aubrey at Terrazas. Hello, Aubrey. How are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great. Uh, am I pronouncing it right, Terrazas, right? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> is, it a, is it a French name? I know <laughs> you, you speak French. Uh, it's, it's actually a Bolivian name. Um, if you're oh. watching the, um, the YouTube recording, I'm, I'm obviously, well, maybe not obviously, but I, it's a married name. I am German. Um, but oh. a German background, but raised in America, married into a Bolivian family and moved to France. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, uh, that's interesting. And um, I, I know you've uh, started your career as a uh, sommelier or sommelier in French, as <laughs> we say, uh, for various uh, restaurants. And you've been in several uh, startups as, you know, wine and marketing expert. Um, I also discovered you co-founded uh, one of the California's largest wine marketing agency. Congrats for this. <laughs> uh, can you tell us a little bit more about your professional background and also your interest? Why do you love wine that much? 
I want to know more. Yeah. Well, um, so growing up, I am from the Midwest in the States. I'm from Iowa. And we moved around a lot. And um, just because I'm not sure why I wasn't in the army or anything, but um, lived in seven different states. So I became very adaptable wow. and very social because you kind of have to be out of your shell a little bit if you're always the new girl. Um, mm -hmm. And so, um, but and that, that'll be important in a second. But I started waiting tables <laughs> when I was 14. And I just kind of stayed with that all through high school and through uh, college. And so as I became more professional and more experienced as working in fine dining, I really developed a love for wine and hospitality. In particular, I find that wine is such a great way to connect with people. There's, it's a great conversation piece. It makes people relaxed. It's always such a social of thing course. to share. Yeah. And so I think it really tied into, you know, my, my hospitality experience and, um, and also just my, my love for people and connection. Uh, over, over time, as I worked longer in restaurants, I ended up working in restaurants for about 15 years. And of course, you know, when you get wow. higher up, you're in fine dining, management, you're a wine director, you do sort of a lot of grassroots marketing, and you make a lot of connections. So eventually, I co-founded um, a wine marketing agency in San Francisco, and that grew really fast within the niche. Uh, around that time is when I met the co-founder of Palette Club, uh, which is our, our, another business of mine. It's a uh, wine club app that uses AI to match wines to your taste. And um, so I'm still working with that. I moved to France in uh, October 2019 with all the dreams to travel and eat out right before COVID hit. Um, <laughs> yeah, you enjoyed it before uh, the pandemic. That's yeah, cool. <laughs> it was um, not the greatest timing for, for moving to Europe, but say la vie. Mm. And uh, I sold my partnership. <laughs> exactly. It's it's really just it's just life. Um, I sold my partnership actually to that agency in uh, January, February, 2020. So also right before the pandemic. And then I started a new wine marketing agency in Europe called Terravine. Okay. Uh, so it was just really kind of a natural progression, just a different um, path for wine. Besides the sommelier track, especially at that point in my career, unlike other of my peers who were maybe working five or six years focused on wine, I mean, I had really been working nights and weekends my whole life, literally half my life. And so um, I, I wanted to be able to reach new customers besides the fine dining crowd, the, just the wealthy 1%. And I wanted to have the flexibility to travel and spend time with my family. Um, so I got into the world of entrepreneurship. That's that's really cool. Uh, ju just if we we go back into uh, the uh, Gen C part, um, would like to know what does an you know marketing uh, wine agency does <laughs> offer as service. So are you doing like the labeling, uh, the introduction on the market for a new product? Can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think that a lot of people in this niche do need to be a little bit of generalist. Um, so it depends on the agency. Um, the things that I found, we did not, my company did not do labeling, but we could connect with a designer if the, if the okay. company needed, needed it. Um, but we focused more on event marketing as well as social okay. media, uh, branding, 
And um, in some cases for e-commerce companies, there'd be some PPC and definitely SEO content creation. Okay. So more on the field uh, part and also on the web part, uh, you have like the two sides. So, okay, that's uh, that's really cool. That's really interesting. Yeah. And uh, how, how do you find your journey in entrepreneurship since then? <laughs> well, I think like all entrepreneurs, <laughs> it's been a roller coaster. Um, it's... I mean, it's it's so great to feel that sense of accomplishment, especially coming from the restaurant world where, you know, when you are truly a professional in the restaurant industry, you're working 11 a.m. to 2 a.m. often. Yeah. And it's very thankless as well. And so, I mean, I think that was part of it is I, I felt like I'm such a hard worker that I could really do something on my own. Um, and... Some that work ethic carried through, but I think it. I've had to learn to have a lot of optimism as well. It's not like you just start a business and then it works out. You have to constantly learn and say, okay, I thought that was really going to work, but that's not what people want. And learning to adapt uh, not only your skill set and your offering, but also you know, even like your, your personality and your mindset has to adapt to the different situations because it's always changing. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, and, and when the pandemic hit, you need to find uh, <laughs> <laughs> new solutions for a lot of stuff. We, yeah. we had, uh, lots of, uh, of interview on the, on the show talking about, you know, how the COVID impacted, uh, businesses and, we're going to be jumping in that a little bit later. But first, you, you've talked a little bit about Ballot Club, which is, I, uh, I guess, your main business um, uh, right now. Um, so Ballot Club right now is currently disrupting uh, the wine club and wine uh, industry in general. Um, for the benefit of all our listeners, we heard Hey I uh, and we heard uh, <laughs> <laughs> subscription business model. But I, I would like to learn more about Ballot Club and understand how... Uh, you disrupt the market, but how? So, what's what's the offer uh, service offering of that company? Yeah. So, when you typically buy wine, first of all, most people don't know very much about wine, which is normal. I mean, I don't. That's why I hire like a tax <laughs> professional. Like, it's 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 not your job, so it's normal okay, actually. Yeah. But people are very. That's for some reason with wine, people are very embarrassed to talk about it if they don't know. So oftentimes you go to a store or you go online and there's thousands of labels and it's hard to find good help. It's hard to, it's hard to have that trust to buy a new product because it's not like music or clothes where you can just kind of see it and know if you'll like it or not. Um, so what we do is we um, have identified over 200 data points, um, different traits okay. that can be found <laughs> in wine. So that, that came from okay. my side. We worked with data scientists in Paris to create an algorithm. Okay. So every time that we buy a wine, because um, we don't make a wine, we, we buy finished product. We, okay. as, That's interesting to know. Okay. Yeah, so a lot of... We wine. Mm -hmm. A lot oh, of wine okay. clubs make wine in bulk, um, but we want the more artisanal approach. And whenever we buy it, a, some, a sommelier tastes it and identifies it objectively to say, okay, this is what's in this bottle. So that way when you rate it, it starts to learn which traits are important to you and it can find and suggest new wines that match your taste and then send it to you mm. monthly, bi-monthly, whatever that might be. So you have just this really fun discovery process where you get blind, 
um, wines ship blind. You can share with friends and learn more about your taste and create a conversation about wine. That's that's really interesting because you know on my end as a regular wine drinker, <laughs> I don't know a lot. I know I love a Cabernet, but you know it's it's always hard to 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 find always the the right wine. I've started to use the Vivino, which is an app that can help me just scanning the label. But at the end, I I think it does make so much sense to have a service that will send you new bottles, make you discover stuff that you will love for sure because. It does uh, match your uh, your uh, <laughs> your taste, so yeah, that's uh, that's really awesome. And uh, how how you came up with that idea? It's you know that's that's really uh, it, it's the first time I I saw a business that does things like that. It 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 just reminds me like the um, the elf company right now that are you know you send like a saliva sample uh, to just find your uh, DNA or, <laughs> or issues about your health. I, I, I think it's, it's still, it, it looks like the same type of business. Like you're going to adapt your product to the, uh, to the client. So that's the, so how you had that idea. Sure. Well, I, I joined the project from the very, very beginning, but the okay. founder, Nicolas, uh, he is actually French and lived in America. And as a, as a serial entrepreneur, he, was very intrigued by the way that Americans were approaching wine with the wine club. And there were other companies that even kind of claimed to match wines to your taste, but it's, it was so hard to find good wine that way. Like you want the convenience of, of being able to shop online, but it's actually still really hard and very fragmented in the States in part because they use okay. bulk wine um, in part because companies so far have just used some stupid quiz where basically they say, oh, do you like your coffee black or with cream? Do you like raspberries? So if you like raspberries, you must love raspberry flavor in your wine. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. It's like more introduction <laughs> questions that release wine specific. It, yeah. Okay. I yeah. I mean, your, your taste, <laughs> your wine taste is different than your food taste. Um, so he wanted to make it easy for people to enjoy wine without any of the snobbery, without any of the stress, be able to trust the experience and get new wines match their taste, and really to have a fun experience because wine kind of, um, all of the prestige and all of the different labels, either you're getting not so great wine or there's so much snobbery around it that it's hard to just relax and just enjoy it with friends, which is what it's all about. Yes, it is, <laughs> and and uh, that's uh, that's uh, awesome that you, you you're working there and you're revolutioning the revolutionizing the industry. But uh, I would like to know also how you you know move from uh, hospitality uh, and working at restaurants role to the tech and the subscription business industry because it's mm -hmm. totally different. So how you make your way <laughs> in the industry? Yeah, well, I think the first thing that people don't realize about people who've worked in restaurants for a long time, is that they are some of the most intelligent and adaptable people. I mean, think about, they're born entrepreneurs. In the restaurant service, you're constantly solving problems. You know, you're, it's not like you show up to the desk, you do the same thing every day. You don't know what's going to come at you. You have to move really fast. You have to work on a team. And so, I mean, honestly, it, it was, I, I decided to start working for myself with the, with the agency. I saw a need, uh, but 
I mean, the, the transition into working with tech wasn't as hard. It wasn't as big of a jump as you might expect because okay. I just, I learned really quickly. I, I networked, I put my head down and my experience with my ex connections with hospitality helped and my level of being able to adapt um, helped as well. And uh, how um, how did the uh, pandemic uh, affected your business? Does it generate more sales or you have to change a little bit the business model? So can you tell us a little bit more about uh, the COVID situation uh, at Ballot Club? Yeah, well, certainly very established wine brands like Vivino or Wine.com saw a huge increase in sales. Um, we all knew that the surge of people buying wine online was imminent, and that just sort of pushed it to to the front. So I think in the long term, it's going to be really good for us as a total industry shift. However, we're we're still a young startup, and a lot of our acquisition before came from events, and that was actually true for okay. for the agency side as well. With wine, we're very you know fast and fast, like we love to just meet and people and network that way. Uh, so it, it, it did slow things down in that way and forced us to okay. define different channels of acquisition. Yeah, because when you, you market yourself with events and all the events shut down and yeah. your, your event slash product is something that needs to be <laughs> tasted, <laughs> uh, you cannot do it online. So no, no wine uh, event online or, or actually you can send some wine to a... Uh, to a potential customer, but it's it's uh, it's harder. So so what I've uh, understood is that you're sending some some wine bottle uh, like with numbers or you know that people don't know the, the 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 type of of bottle that they are receiving. So they say, I want red wine or I want white wine, and send me lots of of samples, and then based on their feedbacks, uh, your technology will adapt. Uh, the product offering after uh, on their subscription, right? Yeah, the the first the first shipment is um, has a pretty low dollar entry point, and it's just four half bottles, so it's really easy to consume. But that one, you don't know what it is for sure. But after you get those four bottles, that gives us enough information. But then after that, we do let you preview the shipment, just because we are still wine is still subjective, and it always will be. So we say, this is what we think you'll like, but just in case you can see, in case in college you had a, you know, food poisoning of an Italian restaurant and now you just hate Chianti or whatever it is. Um, so you can change and you'll still get that feedback with a sommelier if you're looking to, to swap something in your shipment. So, so people can swap the, the, the bottle prior they receive it mm -hmm. so they can adapt uh, their offering. Okay, that's, uh, that's really interesting. And... Uh, mo most of your clients are subscribers, so they they receive uh, each month uh, wine bottle. Um, what type of challenges uh, you you met? You know, when you started, but also right now into your acquisition and retention of your customers. We know that there's a lot of churn uh, to, to 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 be managed on on the KPI side for for subscription mm -hmm. business. But I would like to know. And, and after that, we're going to be talking about you know, all the alcohol uh, challenges, which is another <laughs> <laughs> another complete uh, topic. But uh, yeah, let's start with the challenges you have for uh, your subscription business model. 
Yeah. Well, I, honestly, for us, our turn rate is thankfully very, very low. Once people have had a couple of shipments, they generally stick with us for a long time and they're happy with the product. And I think that comes mm. down to offering really great customer service, especially for a subscription. Yes. You know, if there's issues are going to happen, and this is something else that I learned from fine dining, it's, it's not so much about avoiding problems as how you react to them. They're inevitable, but just offer good service and be there for the customer and make things as easy as possible. Um, I do think that for a more expensive subscription model, like something like wine, um, that the initial acquisition is more difficult because people, especially because like you said, wine is an experience. It's something that you kind of want to taste. And so there's, there's that trust, which is why events are so great for wine because it's, you know, again, you can't just see a shirt and kind of guess if you're going to like it. Um, so we have to to be very strong with our brand message and offer as much social proof as possible and offer as much, you know, money back guarantee, satisfaction guarantee that we can, a very good offer to try to get people to, to trust us for that first purchase. And then after that, they are generally very happy. Okay, that's uh, that's really interesting to see that uh, uh, y you have like a, a, a really good lifetime value of customer because uh, you can adjust uh, your budget in terms of acquisition and and spend a little bit more uh, in terms of of uh, ad spend. Let's say to to get a new customer because you know he's gonna stick to the uh, to the product. So that's that's really interesting. And mm -hmm. um, do you have uh, lots of competition in that specific niche? Uh, I'm I'm curious about that because it's the first time, as I said earlier, that I, I hear about that type of uh, of business model uh, in the in the states because we have to see it. I think it's uh, mainly in the United States uh, right now. Yeah, due to alcohol regulations, we are only able to ship within the United States. Otherwise, we get into export and all sorts of crazy things. Um, but there are other wine clubs there are a lot of wine clubs there's i mean if you look at the total wine space it's pretty competitive there are other wine clubs that claim to match wines to your taste we're the only ones that use wine tasting to do that instead of you know just filling out a, a quiz about what type of food you like or something um, and we're the only ones to my knowledge that send finnish artisan wines instead of bringing in bulk wine and making it an apparent winery. Okay, so th it does make a, a little uh, difference uh, there. And uh, so you're you're pushing more, you know, fine wine and higher quality wine, uh, but, you know, you, you, you bring it more accessible uh, to, to, to the clients and it does make a lot of sense. Um, talking about, you know, all the alcohol restrictions, as you said, so because of those restrictions right now, you only sell like mo most of your sales are uh, in the US. Um, can you tell us uh, how you adapt yourself, but also what are those regulations and what what type of challenge do you have in terms of advertising and marketing and all around that? Right, yeah, well, that's, that's a huge initial one. If you are a special ad category like alcohol or I mean, another one might be real estate or something. You have so many, which so many more regulations. So advertising is already hard; it's already crowded. But then the types of the type of content you can produce and the channels that you can use are much more limited. 
For example, TikTok does not allow alcohol advertising. Um, it does make sense because it's so much young. Yeah, <laughs> on TikTok sure. in terms of uh, well, it was in the audience. beginning. I think that I think that's changing. Just like any other social media platform, it more and yeah. more older people start to adapt. Um, but that, that's just one example. The other thing is that it alcohol laws change not only from country to country, but from state to state. And so, um, for example, that's why a lot of the wine companies do choose to act as a winery and make bulk wine instead of importing or bringing in uh, finished wine. Because if you're a winery, you can ship to any of the states. If you're a distributor, you have to have a license for every single state that you sell to. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's that's, a that's, logistics that's a nightmare. Challenge. Luckily, like I said, okay. the founder is French, so he's totally used to paperwork. Um, but we... <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yeah. I heard in France it's, it's something. Yeah. Yeah, I um, everyone daydreams about life and you know expat dreams in France, but the the bureaucracy is everything they say it is. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but we we got around so. that by having a logistics partner, so we pay a flat percentage to for all of our sales, and they basically handle. Uh, all the licensing to the different states. So right now we're in 44 states, most of them. Okay. Um, That's really and cool. yeah, they, and then we have a, a warehouse um, that we, that packages up and sends it out. Uh, and that, that's a pretty traditional model for alcohol. It's not very often where the winery will do that all themselves, unless you're pretty big. But that does require a lot of trust because you have to, you know, trust the guys in the warehouse to to package it and to get the right thing out on the right time. And then there's a different company that specializes in wine shipment and to make sure that, that it's temperature controlled. And then when it gets to the door, someone over 21 has to sign for it. Okay. And, and how do you do the temperature control? Like if, if you ship to Florida... Uh It's going to be hot. <laughs> yeah. There, there are different companies that, that take care of that and that specialize in alcohol shipping. Oh, okay. So it's just the transporter. You don't change something to your box or you don't put... Uh, I would say ice, but... <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not going to be ice, but you don't want the wine to overeat uh, during the transportation right. or uh, get hit on the box and maybe break a bottle because I guess your bottle worth... Yeah. Uh, a lot so <laughs> you don't want the, the product to be broken so so you decided to to go in in 3pl actually uh that's that's how we we say it in the, in canada so a third party logistic to to manage your shipment and uh, make sure you're compliant with all those regulations and to be able to to send to to various uh various states um so that's that's really interesting and it was one of my questions so it <laughs> does answer that uh <laughs> earlier so that's perfect, perfect. Mm -hmm. um What's uh what has been your biggest challenge so far in terms of you know managing the e-commerce and managing the growth? Uh, you can have more than one, but <laughs> what has been the biggest challenge? So many challenges. Um, yeah, I think it's really <laughs> just fine. I think in this industry in particular, with with wine, it's it's really just getting that initial acquisition and getting people to trust because it's it's not. Uh, It's not something that you can just spend $5, $10, and then if it doesn't work out, whatever. It's something that um, shipping is very expensive. 
um, and people are really worried about trying something they won't like with wine, which is exactly what we're trying to solve. Um, so it's really just getting that trust, I think. Yeah, of course. But uh, I think when, once uh, someone starts to use your service e and, and product, actually, uh, you will enjoy it. And, and <laughs> you make sure that the client will stay if you send some some quality product with with uh, adjustment to their taste. So it does make a, a lot of sense. And um, how do you find uh, right now new clients? What are your best uh, acquisition channels uh, that, you know, you know that if you, you put like a thousand bucks you'll get like uh, 10 subscribers or how, how does it work right now? Uh, if, if we, we say that events are not there and it's <laughs> only online acquisition. <laughs> I mean, honestly, even online, we we're finding that events really are the best way to get new people. So right now we're, we're launching an ambassador program. There are so many people that are looking for digital tastings, even in this sort of transitioning out of COVID time. Um, a lot of corporate tastings, a lot of people that just want to get together with different parts of the country and taste something. And so the ambassadors get a commission off of selling wine for their tasting. And then if someone subscribes from the tasting, then they also get a commission actually, you know, every every time that person buys again with their subscription. So it's pretty cool for them because they can get some passive income that's, that's generous. Oh, yes. And I, I, like I said, I really think the best we found that people are most likely to convert when they try the product. Um, so along with that gifting too, if someone buys a gift for, for someone, oftentimes the, the person who receives the gift will actually become a subscriber again, because they have the opportunity to try the experience. Yeah. And, um, I was having a, an idea and, and I saw that uh, on, on your website to, to receive like the, uh, the starter pack, it's, it's around uh, 60 bucks or something. Mm -hmm. Is it, is it correct? Yeah. Um, uh, are, were, uh, would you be able, it's, it's a question and we brainstorm right now. Would you be able mm -hmm. to reduce those costs with having like smarter bottles just to do like a shot of a wine and sending like small samples, maybe in an envelope or something that, would bring down the cost maybe to 10 bucks and then you can, you know, generate more leads and more conver conversions. Uh, maybe it's my agency side that is talking, but <laughs> I'm curious what you think about that. Do you think um, customers really need to uh, receive like a half a bottle to really enjoy the wine and taste because it does takes more than one sip to, to be able to, to, to enjoy the wine or realize that it doesn't make sense for you. I would like to know your thoughts uh, about that because when you're, you're working on an acquisition strategy the the entry price point, uh, which is 60 bucks, might be high for some people that just want to try it and, and feel the experience. What's your thought about that? Yeah, absolutely. And that, that has come up for us before. Uh, there, okay. there are a couple of things. One, um, we're not the ones making the wine. So that does add a really um, add a, a lot of logistics to have to then take finished wine and put it into a vial and pack, repackage it. The other thing, and uh, this is really particular to, to the, the founder, Nicola, is that the whole point is that it is supposed to be a social experience that's shared with friends. And there is something that's so much more romantic about having a wine bottle versus a, a vial of wine. <laughs> 
And so okay. it, yeah. I guess um, the thought is just that it takes away so much from, from the actual experience. And it's really not, it's not, um, I, I think that our prices are really fair. They, this month they're starting at $10 a bottle for this, for the subscription, but we're, okay. we're not necessarily Absolutely. looking for value hunters though, either. Um, we, we want people that spend money on wine that maybe average $15 a bottle and above. Um, so we're talking to more of the premium wine drinkers. Here in Canada, $15 a bottle is, is very cheap. Like it's, it's an entry bottle, but I know that in the U S and in France, it's, really good wine but here we have the saq that uh, <laughs> does take a, a yeah. real good margin uh, on top but yeah, yeah it, it does make sense because it's it's cheaper and it can you know be into a, a subscription business model and it does make sense which in canada would be really expensive for for people to subscribe to great wines that say at around 30 40 bucks per bottle uh, each month can be uh, yeah. yeah you need to, to target as you say uh, some uh, <laughs> some of the wealthiest <laughs> yeah that's yeah when we when we've done too steep of discounts for the initial offering and people can also get in with a quiz too we do have a quiz that's about wine taste so it's not about foods so there okay. is um there is another it's not about challenge. coffee <laughs> yeah but I, th i personally it's more fun in my opinion to do the tasting kit because you get to taste wine yeah. and it's it's a good just sort of social experience Um, but when we have discounted that starter pack with the four half bottles too much, we found that actually it was a very bad market fit because these people are looking for steep discounts. They get the, the one kit for $30, we lose money. And then very few of them actually stayed for the subscription because, you know, mm. again, it, we're looking for people that maybe normally spend $15 or $20 on a bottle of wine. So if they're just looking for a, a discount, then they're just going to go to the grocery store and buy a $5 bottle anyway. Yeah, that, that's really interesting what you say. So even if you, you, you had a solution cheaper, the clients that, will, that would convert on those type of offer would not be the, the, you know, your, your targeted customer and would not stick and be a recurrent uh, in terms of, of customer. And we see that so much times uh, in, in businesses that are VC founded that they try to, you know, diversify their acquisition strategies and then they just start, you know, discounting or uh, selling some, some prepaid plans. And at the end, we see that there's more churn. Yeah. Yes, of course, there are more acquisition, but at the end, it just so... It, I think it decreased the per, uh, perceived value from, from the customer, and that's not yeah. what, what you want. <laughs> um, exactly. I'm curious about if you, um, if you think about strategies around you know, marketplaces uh, such as Amazon, uh, Walmart, and others uh, to, 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 to uh, you know, sell your, your entry pack uh, there and, and you know, being seen by other customers that aren't looking but that, that they might be able to discover Uh, your solution on, on marketplaces is, is it something um, you were interested about have you have you had a look into that or yeah well for for amazon they don't they don't do wine um they have they have a partnership with whole foods so they did do wine for a second and then they took it away and it's just whole foods now yeah yeah um, a partnership they bought them <laughs> yeah uh, but um they're again alcohol is very complicated i mean obviously it'd be great mm -hmm. to be at walmart but that's a very big partnership and something that we can achieve to be in the stores maybe later Uh, but partnerships have, in general, been really good acquisition strategy for us as well. 
especially other subscription models, like um, partnering with maybe a flower subscription or coffee subscription uh, and kind of cross-promoting or offering it as a bundle package. It's been really interesting mm -hmm. for us. In terms of that's a general a, a marketplace, um, yeah, we haven't we haven't found um, uh, the again just because of the, all the alcohol regulations as well. We haven't found a perfect fit for that yet. Hmm. That's uh, that's really interesting. And in terms of uh, email marketing, do you have some specific strategies and a type of automations to you know win back a client, or have you put a lot of things in place to 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 you know manage? Uh, uh, the, the the email marketing strategy. What? How do you work uh, on that end? Absolutely. I, I still think that email marketing is very crucial, and it's so interesting. I'm sure you see from the agency side as well. People are always like, "Oh, I don't want to bother my people too much," but yeah. I mean, you have to sending one uh, one newsletter per month, and that's it. <laughs> right. Yeah. But I mean, you really have to show up and remind people that you exist. So part of it isn't necessarily to get people to open every single email. That'd be great. It's not realistic, but it's just to remind them that you're there. So that way when they're ready to buy, they know where to go. Um, but so we do have so several drip campaigns depending on the audience segment. Um, so, you know, if they come in with the tasting kit, that's one. If they come in with a quiz, that's one. If we see that people have unsubscribed, then of course we have some win back strategies where we offer them something to come back and, and purchase something. Um, if people haven't opened an email in a while, then we do periodically go through and try to do a win back strategy just to get them to engage with the emails and clean up the list as well. Yeah, that's that's really important to don't have a zombie or dead emails. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to, to make sure you get the good good open rates. Um, and I, I'm curious to see if um, we talk about, you know, the sales funnel uh, for the web part, um, because I know lots, lots of the experience is outside and also one of the funnels is the events. But you have various uh, funnels that you're testing in terms of subscription. So when you acquire, let's say, a customer with an ad and the client comes on the website, uh, do you have, you know, various funnel that you test and do you have any results about that and what what have you optimized in terms of funnel do you uh prefer something really shorter or you will have like a long quiz to make them um uh, into the experience already like we see that sometime that you you have to enter a quiz and you want to know the results or you want to receive the email that will explain you what's the taste yeah. and you know i'm curious about that yeah well so the um we do have several different funnels for sure. And then within that, we do a B test. Um, so for the quiz, um, we are actually redesigning it because of our findings. Um, before it was um, not super short, but it was, it was short. And I think that didn't give people enough opportunity to tell us what they like. So now we actually have separated mm -hmm. it into beginner and people that maybe know a little bit more about their taste. And absolutely, they have to obviously give their email to get the results and see their wine profile. Um, in terms of the uh, tasting kit, um, I think that that's, uh, so we sort of frame that around the experience. That's what it's all about. Our findings there have been that, um, so one of our main uh, landing pages for ads has been, you get the free tasting kit for $60. And when you sign up for one month subscription ahead of time. 
which I think is a very good offer. And when we've used mm. tools like Hotjar and seen how people are spending time on the page, um, longer forms don't do as well for us is what we found. We're A-B okay. testing okay. that right now. But generally people, well, first of all, um, a lot of times they just more or less see the first above the fold and then want to go to the subscribing. So they've already seen enough from the ad to get them to convert. So there's a lot of fluff that can just distract them in between. And the other thing is that people generally just want to see the price. Like we see what people are really looking at. And most of the time it's the price um, as well as the, how of it course. works. And so we try to make those more clear and more up at the top of the page. Um, and yeah, in between, I mean, people aren't really, we have testimonials on the landing pages and things like that. People don't really spend that much time there. Um, so really, they just kind of want to know what the clear offer is and um, make it really easy to put the wine in their cart. Okay, that's uh, that's really interesting. And I, I see that uh, you, you have a, a mobile app, is it correct? Or mm -hmm. it's a web app? How How do you... How does a client interact with your brand uh, and your business actually after its initial purchase? Is it uh, directly on the mobile app or it's uh, it's on the web? How does that work right now? Yeah, uh, so you can do you can sign into your account with the app or on a web browser. And the main reason for that, well, there's two things. One, um, so every time you get a shipment, it has a secret bottle number on it, and you can rate the wine based on your taste. And we actually continue to improve. So it's not that just at the mm. initial profile, but it actually um, has some computer learning to continue to optimize your wine profile. Uh, that's really interesting. That's that's really interesting because that was my, my, my second question is that if you only drink, you know, four type of wine, and as you said earlier, you have like 200 uh, variants of, of, of type of wine, um, sending each time you know a bottle to just uh, increment the the algorithm and make it more uh efficient uh it, it will encourage i think uh customers to stay for a long long time to, <laughs> to receive the perfect wine uh, one day <laughs> yeah it's really cool yeah it's it's it, it i do think it's really cool actually that's one of my favorite parts is it that is. uh we it's not um and the thing is we don't wait all of the traits the same. We rate them differently depending on how you respond. And so if we see you're always putting one star for really high tannin, but maybe red fruit sometimes is five stars, sometimes it's two stars, we can say, okay, Philippe really doesn't like tannic wines. He doesn't really care too much about the red fruit. So, but we're really going to avoid wines with high tannin and we can be more flexible with the fruit profile. That's uh, that's really really interesting. And um, how how do you track right now? You you know the interactions on the app versus the web. Do you aggregate all the data? Maybe it's a uh, it's a really depth <laughs> questions. But uh, how do you track uh, everything interactions with your app and also with the website and and get some some feedback from it? Do you use a software or how do you work for that? Yeah. Do you mean for the algorithm or do you mean from a marketing standpoint? Oh, it's f more for a marketing st standpoint because for the algorithm, it would be maybe too more uh, in-depth. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, it's actually, I mean, the, the your profile, whether you do it on the browser or the app, they talk to each other. So, of course, that information okay. gets passed through. Um, we, uh, so, I mean, it's really not too complicated. Our e-commerce system is Magento. 
And so we have okay. all of the customer profiles in there. And I mean, we use Google Analytics and we just have um, automate. We use Google Data Studio to review, you know, which parts of the app people are engaged with the most. I mean, it's great now. Apps are really easy to track as well with Google Analytics. Um, nothing, nothing too fancy, really. Um, we, we've used Hotjar, Lucky Orange, things like that, um, chat boxes. Okay. That's, uh, that's really interesting. Okay, that's cool. I weren't uh, aware that you were on Magento. That's uh, that's really cool. In storefront, we don't see it in terms of technology. I think we need to be uh, signed up uh, because I was uh, looking at all the apps you were using and I saw that you're like on WordPress for the, the landing page and all that stuff. Uh, and yeah, that's uh, that's amazing. I, I love Magento. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I'm going to jump into my final question. So I would like to, s to know how do you stay up to date uh, about the e-commerce industry and what are your source of, of truth uh, in terms of, of marketing? Yeah, you know, it's it's hard. Marketing changes all the time, especially in crazy events like 2020. You have to really adapt. Um, so I think that one, you know, listening to, to podcasts like this, getting different perspectives from different industries is important. Um, there's so many great now online events, webinars that you can check in and get some new ideas, um, as well as just, just reading different, different blogs, um, especially from, from marketing, huge marketing companies like, like HubSpot always, I think has a really great blog. They tend to stay on top of it. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So just. I, I just carve cool. a little that's bit of time out every day to, to study. Yeah, it's it's very important. And uh, have you read books uh, that change the way you see marketing or, <laughs> you know, e-commerce or you're less a book reader? No, I, I'm, I'm definitely into books. Um, I don't know if I've read one yet that has totally changed my world on e-commerce, but I'm open to recommendations. Um, in terms of marketing, I really like uh, brand storytelling by uh, yep. Donald Miller. I, I, I think that one is, is, is really important for any marketer to frame the story and to reach out to people. Yes, of course. And that's, uh, that's uh, what I've discovered when I, I've started, uh, you know, hearing lots of, of podcasts about, you know, brand builders and when we've started to do some, uh, some events because we're, I don't know if you're, you were uh, aware of, but we do run a, a trade show in Quebec called... Uh, journey e-commerce and we gather lots of, of mm. marketing experts uh, from all around the world and uh, we might see you there uh, one day <laughs> yeah. and uh, <laughs> and it's it's always nice to see uh like the brand strategy behind the business i think a, a business to have lots of su uh, success online uh it does take uh, a solid brand strategy it's not just selling something like others you need to have you know your brand image yes but also all the story and the, the background around it that makes your customer to be, you know, attached uh, to what you sell. And it does make all the difference uh, between brands like Apple that understood that <laughs> lots of years ago. Yeah. Um, at, at the end, uh, what would be uh, the best advice uh, you would give to someone uh, that would like to jump into e-commerce or would like to, s to have a startup and, and build a, a business like what you're doing right now? Well, if you are looking for the wine industry, um, I would say that you have to really, um, you have to be so much stronger with your brand 
just like you were saying, because it is, you know, it, it's an experience. And so you have to be very, very clear on your mission and your impact. Mm -hmm. That way you're differentiated. Uh, for general e-commerce, I would just say you really have to, to be optimistic and you have to be patient because there are natural roller coasters up and down and e-commerce changes so quickly that you just have to be adaptable. You have to learn and you have to see that as a positive. You know, you don't, there's no failing. You either learn or you succeed and you just keep moving forward. That's a good way to see it. <laughs> learn or succeed. <laughs> <laughs> That's really cool. Um, Aubrey, it was uh, a pleasure for me to have you on the show. I wish you a lot of success uh, at Ballot Club. Thank and uh, I would love soon to move to the U.S. to test your, uh, your product. <laughs> well, whenever you're there next. Yeah, thank you, Philippe. Uh, thank you so much. Mm -hmm.